Welcome back, my friends, to the In Obscuria podcast, a podcast where we exhume obscure rock and punk and metal, and we put them in one of three categories, the lost, the forgotten, or the should-have-beens. I'm Kevin Williams. That's Robert Harrison. Hello. How'd you like that intro song? That was great. I've heard it somewhere before. Mm, new mm. intro song. Not really new. Not really new. 22 years old, maybe. Over 20 years old. And do you know the reason I played that? No. Do you see the shirt that I'm wearing? It's a hula girl. Hula girls on a burgundy shirt. Mm. This just happened happens to be the shirt that I wore to the very first four-piece version of Big Jack Pneumatic, which was our when band. Got, when it got real. 20 years 20 ago. 20 years ago. 20 years ago, I believe this month was when we played our first gig. Oh my this God. was the shirt that I wore. Really? And I can still wear it. And I was like, damn, you look a dork. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> no, that's cool. You got the hula girls on a burgundy shirt. Yeah, I, I could see that. I had a shirt that was uh, IDF, which is Israeli Defense Forces <laughs> shirt. That's yes, right. It was, you know, they're known to be quite the badass and I'm not so it was a little bit of ironic for me wearing that shirt on stage but it was cool looking so that's all that mattered yeah so cheers, cheers buddy to, to 20 years ago cheers oh my god playing those shows and making those recordings and what you just heard that was actually the three person yeah the, was, the three piece version bef- of us right before, before we changed to yeah. the, the four piece. but it really started to click we added Brandon Steele Steel. Steel? Steel. No, steel. <laughs> That's the southern pronunciation. S-T-I-L-L. Steel. Um, yeah, we added him, and we had Kent. Kind of about the No, see, he came first. Brandon came first, and then Brandon Kent. came first. He came to live with me. Brandon lived in Asheville, North Carolina, yep. and he moved to Atlanta, lived with me for a little while, yeah. and Grace. Yeah. We all we all lived together for a little oh, while. That was, I'm oh, sure boy. that was fun. And so Brandon still has, is now gone on to be a Mr. Superstar rock dude with yeah. Blackberry Smoke. He's the keyboardist in Blackberry and Smoke. And he deserves every minute of it. He's a great guy, amazing keyboard player, really added a lot to songs that I wrote and then songs that Kevin and I wrote, songs that Kevin had written previously that we kind of rewrote. Yeah. Uh, he just came in and would lay the keys on top of just those. took him to another level. Really did. So yeah, that was, that was when it really started being fun. And we We've said this before, what makes a band great is not the guys playing the guitars or the keys or singing, it's the drummer. If your drummer's yep. good, your band has a shot of being great. Yep. And we had a great drummer in Kent Oberly who we've had on the program before, yes. and he was the drummer in the swears well, and just a great dude. And yeah, when those two guys came in, it elevated what we were doing. Yep. Yeah. He only backed the van into a tree stump one time. I think that was me, wasn't it? <laughs> no, was, no, that was, it was Kent. Because the problem was he was the only one that could do late night driving like the rest of us you know we do pretty well but after like two or three o'clock in the morning i'd check out i couldn't do it so he could he was always hyped up on who knows what and he would drive home and we got home four o'clock in the morning from knoxville backing into the band house and he got it stuck on a tree stump <laughs> i remember that he also was hiding his truck remember that it was going to get repossessed and he hit his truck <laughs> I forgot about that. He hit that. over at Brandon's house. Yeah, I forgot about it. I used to, <laughs> yeah, we parked the van at the band house, which is a crappy old house that we rented to practice in, but Brandon lived there. He's growing weed in the bed, bedroom closet. What? Huh? There's what? fleas. We had about a fleas. One, nobody had any pets, but we said fleas in the band house at that one point. That was 20 years 20 ago. 20 years ago. So yeah, all those ago. stories, I, I've forgotten half of them already. So yeah, the, <laughs> Kent hiding his truck there. I'd plowed a, like a pathway into the woods next to the house. I had an old Toyota Land Cruiser and 
I needed a place to park the van. So I just was like driving over these trees with this off-road vehicle, <laughs> just spinning the tires. So yeah, just the thing, that house this got wasn't, demolished. This was a neighborhood, by it was, the way. Yeah, it was a nice little neighborhood, but <laughs> it was not so much after we lived there and occupied it. So yeah, that, good memories. Thank you for bringing that up. Absolutely. So that's why the change in our intro. Yeah. What else is going on with you? Anything I think I'm still new? a little high from last week's uh, Stoner oh, Rock Stoner episode. Metal episode? Stoner Metal, yeah. That was good. Oh, by the way, uh, Ronnie J... <laughs> Ronnie James D.O.G., my dog, Mm -hmm. has a girlfriend. Good, baby. Very good. Oh. Big news around here. Is her name Wendy? No. It's not Wendy D.O.G.? Her name name is Rosie. Rosie. A whole lot of Rosie. A whole lot of Rosie. She she lives next door, and she now escapes their yard, jumps the fence into my yard, and comes in my dog door. Wow. Without asking. So having lunch yesterday in my kitchen, sitting there real quiet, Dio's laying on the floor next to me, waiting for me to give him something. All of a sudden, we hear this commotion, and Rosie comes running into the kitchen. It's just pandemonium. The look on Dio's face is like, what the hell? They start (laughs) You can't just crash my pad, baby. And so they ran back outside and had a good time. Of course, I had to take her back home. Well, she did it again today. So I come home and Rosie is running around in the backyard with Dio hanging out. So it's kind of a thing now. They they kind of just, you know, whenever she feels like it, she comes over and jumps the fence into my yard. Mm. And she's a huge Newfoundland dog, like 110 pounds. So she's bigger than Dio. So that's why I said it's a whole lot of Rosie. Pretty and exactly small. Four, two, third, nine, fifty-six. You can change it, got Wow. Okay. Well, after you realize you're in heat, go listen to <laughs> Pot of Thunder, Cobras and Fire, Growing Up Rock, Slamfest Podcast, Decibel Geek, A to Z Radio. Metal Up Your Podcast, The Hustle, Disciples of the Watch, Podcast Rock City, Sean Geek and Fast Fret Podcast, State of America, Rock Strikes 10, Potter Than Hell, Podcast, The Kiss Room, Ages of Rock, Retro Zest Podcast, The Synaptic Empire, and Monty's Rock Cast. Come visit us at inobscuria.com. Like us, share us, recommend us, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. Go buy some stuff. And that's all. That's all I have to say about that. That's it. Just, that's it. Just that. That's the business. You're done. The business is done. Check that off. Adjourned. Right. See you next week. All right. Later. Oh, that's right. We have to do a podcast. Yeah. And what are we going to talk about this week, Robert? I don't know. Let's just make something up. Okay. Well, let's that's so, something out of our ass. That's so different than what we normally do. So last it? week. <laughs> <laughs> well, I do have a story for you. So mm-hmm. I went down to the old Estelle Colton Donut Shop to grab a cup of the blackest coffee they have, the blackest in Atlanta. You can't even see it. It's just... Do you know what brand they have? It's called None More Black. None. None More Black. Yeah. So I was telling Igor, who's the barista, I was telling him what we do here on the podcast and that typically we use seances or the Ouija board to gather the Ouija our, carpet. The Ouija carpet. Yes, yes. Our board is big enough that it is actually a carpet. I'm taking that to a party after this, by the way. Nice. They asked oh, if yeah. I had a Ouija board. I'm like, yes, I oh, do. Yes, I do. <laughs> <laughs> nice. But I was telling them, you know, that's how we usually get the topic ideas for our show. We get it from the spirit world, which has just worked out wonderfully for us, I believe. And he suggested, I thought this was great. This is something I had not thought of. He suggested that I pick up an EVP ghost amplifier. You ever heard of these? No. 
So this is what the actual paranormal investigators, this is what they use to capture the sounds of ghosts and to oh, listen to ghosts. Oh, I thought it was like a guitar amp. I'm no, like, what is no, this? no. Well, that would be cool. Yeah. Maybe, maybe plug a guitar oh, amp. Man, we'll see I've what got happens. a ghost amp. Screw you. And so, your orange amp. So he sent me over to the, the other side of the shop, which is the occult shop, and I talked to old Madame Dubrow there, and she had an old used one for sale. So I have it. There it is. Ooh, yep. It's very steampunk looking. It's cool. It's, uh, I got to pour some liquid in it, some concoction that she gave me here. So Phantasmagora fluid. Yeah. So I thought we could try this out and see if we can get today's topic. So just bear with me here. I'm going to plug this jobber in and let me just go here. I think I plugged this into this. Is this supposed to smoke like that? I guess. I don't know. I've, it's used, so... Okay. You know, we'll see. You burned right, my me, house down. I'm right, pissed. Well, I've got to plug it in. All right, just stand back. I'm going to turn right. on. Whoa, hang on. Whoa, whoa. Hey, what? Oh, okay. Let me get it on the right frequency here. I'm going to go get a fire extinguisher. I'll be right back. Oh, oh it's loud. Let me turn it down. All right, getting on the right frequency. Oh. Okay. Ghost at work. Look. Oh, shoot, I lost it. Hold on, let me get on another frequency. Let me turn it. Here we go. Different frequency. Let's try this out. I heard something. I heard yeah. something. Let's see, here we go. Come on, spirits. Talk to me. Uh-huh. Yeah. All right. A shortwave radio. I'm hearing something, though. There's a voice in there. Yeah. Ah, crap. Okay. One more channel. Let me try one more channel. I think we're going to get our look here. Here we go. This one sounds good. Okay. Uh-oh. I'm hearing something. There's a voice. Saying something to us. Speak to us, spirit. Say something other than... Okay, let me tweak it. I'm going to tweak it. Oh. Ow. That crap. Damn. Thing. Oh, hey. Oh. Watch out. All right. Okay. Whoa. One more. Oh. Okay, it's done. I think I got what we needed, though. Did you get it? Uh, I don't know what's going on. Well, I heard a lot of two, two. I think he was saying two, like the number two. I think, I think that's what we were getting. So I'm pretty sure I got it. I didn't get you it. Didn't, you didn't get it? No, I didn't hear it too. Okay. Well, I had to, I had to interpret, you know, I've got the readout too. I've got, a, it's like, got a, like a printout readout. Oh, so okay. It's old analog, it, it, I analog. think the ghost was saying too. Yes, analog. That will be used no more because it's gone, by the way. Sorry. <laughs> so it can only mean one thing and that's that we're going to get another slab of our number two, our second most downloaded episode of all all time and we're going to get a visit from our number one guest of all time and fan. robert oh he's not a fan he's a member of the family <laughs> fam this is episode 136 aussie pub rock with craig elvin number two craig are you there get out boys oh my god it's the ceo himself oh my <laughs> god it's him. You play Men at Work. I, just today on the radio, they announced they're coming here on tour to the Stockbridge Amphitheater, which is probably seats 300 people, maybe. And wow. They're opening for Rick Springfield. <laughs> Did you see who the tour was sponsored by, though? Geritol? No. G'day Waffle. <laughs> G'day Waffle. <laughs> as long as I have wheelchair ramps. 
<laughs> you got an effect on your voice. You sound like a ghost, man. Yeah, you you kind of sound like you're in a big room. Are you are you in an arena? In a, uh, yeah, yeah. I'm uh, I'm live, live in concert. <laughs> man, it's been a little while since we've heard you, Craig. I think last time we talked was way back in November of last year. Which hello, hello, we got a dog. Oh, uh, that's Unless that was you. Yeah, so you, you, you've got Ronnie James Dag. I've got Lexi the Cavoodle. Cavoodle. <laughs> wow. Even your dog sounds Australian. <laughs> Bark. Bark. <laughs> Yeah, so how have you been since November, man? Last time we got together, we did a Degrees of Separation episode on Queen. Obviously, the dog knows exactly what we did. Yeah, do, doing good, guys. Probably still the same as you, fellas. I, I don't know. How's the COVID over there? Because we, um, we're up and down. We're in and out. We're back in it again. Really? Uh, no lockdowns or anything, but it's got another severe case over here. So It's here, but uh, nobody seems to care. We don't care anymore. Yeah, yeah we've it's given getting up. that way here. It's yeah, but we're, we're, we're still having the... Well, we're in the middle of winter now, so... Oh, so that's uh, might be a little different... We're, some, we're still licking doorknobs and picking our nose. Like we, we went back to our old habits. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. Wow. <laughs> Just licking windows. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Other, other than that, I've been listening to you guys doing tons of dad things, taking my girls to sport, all oh, that sort of stuff. So doing the dad thing. Yeah. Doing the dad thing. It's, it's a full time gig, man. Yeah. You're supposed to be doing that. Yeah. Exactly. So the old Craig is a distant memory. Oh, that's too bad. He busts out now and again. At least you have memories. <laughs> See, and, and you remember I called you a few weeks ago, Robert, and yeah. I was stone cold sober. Yeah, I know. You're usually the time you, you would call and just be schnockered. Yeah. And you know, I get these drunk calls from Australia at weird hours for me because it would be morning my time. So, yeah, it was, it was nice to, not nice, it's just different. I'll take either one. <laughs> yeah. The, the effect that your show is having on my life. The algorithms have kicked in, and I knew that was the case when the German pants song came onto my Spotify as I was driving in the car. Do you remember the song, Kev? Oh, the German pants song? Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's like, die, das die cruisen, right? Yeah. Das Pants? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but the good thing is, I'm getting a constant flow now of Thunder Mother. Nice. Yeah, another well, that's, and, that's a good thing. And there must have been a lot of comments recently, because I'm just getting covers as sung by Mr. Lim- Mr. Lemmy recently, I'm getting tons and tons of stuff that he's done. I've been channeling him rude. a lot lately, so I've been sending that yeah. away. <laughs> Be careful with the channeling. I heard in the intro, guys, you mentioned your Ouija carpet. Yep. Have you got a Roomba vacuum? Yeah, well, it needs to be vacuumed because Dio keeps laying on it. So you got Dio no, laying on it. No, one of those Oh, one no, of those not a robot. Oh, no, no. My dog would have pushed that down the stairs two yeah, years ago. Yeah, if, if you if you mix that with the Ouija carpet, you get, man, you can summon all sorts of shit. That's how movies start, mm. right there. No, I'm not doing yeah. that. Yeah, it'll summon shit on its own. You'll yeah. we'll yeah. come up here. It'll just be a room full of spirits, <laughs> just like when we had our ghost fest a few weeks. Old ago. Friends that were wishing me happy birthday because Kevin, you and I almost share a birthday by one day. So I'm getting birthday wishes from Bill Ehler, Mr. Brad Rustoven. <laughs> I've got great. these got these new international friends. See. See celebrity. what we do for you? You're celebrity, man. And, exactly. And you are now, I understand if I read this right, you are the CEO of G'day Waffle, which is a, yeah, a, exactly. a budding waffle franchise. It's still in the planning phase, but it's it's almost ready. It's been in the planning phase for 20 20 something years. years but yeah. yeah, but it's yeah, one of these I've, days. I've, I've given myself the title, but I just don't have the company. <laughs> it's, well, it's a good starting place. Yeah, just go out and look for investors next up. And the other one was, and Robert, you'll love this one too the night flight. Orchestra. Oh, oh yes. yes, we always like that when they stop by for a visit. Well, I'd, I'd I'd heard them initially before your episode, Kev, with white jeans. 
Mm-hmm. Yep. The song White Jeans. And I'm like, hmm, I'm wondering. So, but every time, yeah, I uh, I hear those guys, I, go, I have to go put my leg warmers on, my headband, and just start boxing or training or doing push ups or, yeah. It's crazy. So well, I try to limit it because it's too much physical fitness. Yeah. And you need to video that and send it to us and we'll put a little montage on Facebook. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> hey, um, I wanted to ask you guys, you mentioned something in guests in episode two weeks ago, which was the uh, 80s covers. Mm-hmm. Yep. Kevin hated REM. Correct. You are correct. Who sir. else? Who else do you hate? Oh, this is pretty easy. As a actually. band. Yeah. There's a lot of these big bands that I that I hate. I hate the Eagles. Oh, I know that. I remember we were walking through a trade show in Chicago and there was a booth playing the Eagles and you almost brought up your breakfast. Just pure garbage, that stuff. Let's see. I hate... Well, let's... Eh. See, there's some bands that I, I dislike. I only like a few songs or two. But yeah, the Eagles, R.E.M., feel very strongly about those two bands. Robert, do you have any hates? Oh, yeah. I, I can't think of anything, but I'm sure there's stuff that gets an instant turn on that radio. Uh, I used God. to hate ABBA. I've come around to no, like appreciating it. a song or two now. They're they're very attractive, or were. I don't know what they look like now. <laughs> well, they're, they're going to maintain their attractiveness because I believe they're going on as holograms. holograms. Yeah. Yes. God, I'm trying to think. I know there's... And I just Give me a minute. I'll just pop in the middle of the show later on and blurt out a couple of band names. What about you, Craig? Any hates out there? I've got... I was thinking yesterday... Oh, Nickelback. Oh, okay. I mean, come on. <laughs> See, everybody I don't, mind, I don't mind Nickelback. Get out. Just leave. <laughs> cut them, cut I, them off. Cut I, them off. They're not trying to hurt anyone. They're, they're good kids. They're just Canadians. You can't hate Canadians. He's constipated. He's always constipated. Yeah. Canadians are yeah. nice people. Photograph. I've got one that I turn off nearly every time. This will probably polarize a lot of people. The doors. Really? Wow. I can't stand the doors. It's really self-indulgent, wow. but I do like a couple of their songs. Uh, yeah, I've seen, I, and I think it's more so. I've seen a lot of interviews, particularly with Ray Manzarek. That guy's a wanker. <laughs> Was. <laughs> Is he dead? He's a spirit wanker now. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, he just, he tried to put so much meaning into just, man, their songs, just play them. Please don't over and always, Tiger. Just play the hits. <laughs> they were not pub rock. Yeah, they weren't. The other one was what you were saying, Robert, on the 80s cover episode too. You, you get songs or bands that you're just tired of. Yeah, that's more like, like right now. Back in the day, like I, I did like Aerosmith back in the late 80s, early 90s. But then now if I hear them on the radio, I'm like, oh, go away, you big-lipped annoyance. <laughs> <laughs> Yes, I agree there. I, don't, I still I like the old stuff. I don't hate them. I still like I just don't want to hear it. Yeah, no, yeah Nothing yeah. wrong and with look, them. They're a good band, but I don't want to hear them anymore. And I, I know I'll get a lot of people offside with this one. Even bands now like ZZ Top, I'm like, enough. Okay, she's got legs. Excellent. Let's move on. Well, <laughs> they're not quite as shapely as they used to be back in the 80s. But <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> she's got support. You're, you're wearing she's got pants. kinkles. Yes, she's got support hose. <laughs> <laughs> Jump yeah. inside my orthopedic bed. Yes. <laughs> I like the ZZ. In fact, I just got a ZZ Top shirt like two weeks ago. I found a shirt for cheap, the old ZZ Top 80s logo on it, and I thought it was cool. Cool. Yeah. Well, yeah, I think I think radio, uh, not radio, because I'm, I'm diving very deep into the well of Spotify now, which is taking me into some really cool spots. But, um, yeah, the, look, commercial radio, man. Goodbye. No. It's just crap. It just plays the same. Yeah, as you guys have said on a thousand episodes, you know, you have 50 songs to choose from. What was the one a few years, uh, a few weeks back in? 80s or 70s legends releasing songs in the 90s. 
which was a cool episode. You know, talk that the song by Heart was awesome. Oh, yeah. It was, um, right? Um, the, oh, yeah, man, she's got the best female pipes in rock, as far as I'm concerned. Anne Wilson. Amazing man. voice. I love Enough. that voice. So powerful. Yeah, yeah. It's not It's not just pretty. It's powerful. Like just the- but she can, she can sing Guts. anything from, you know, she can make you cry or angry in, yeah. the, in the space of one minute. Yeah, they do the, the ballad. I almost said Iron Butterfly. <laughs> Iron Butterfly. <laughs> Different song completely. <laughs> Dog and Butterfly. Like go from that to Crazy on You where she's just, she sounds oh, yeah. like she's going crazy. Yeah. I, I yes. love that band. Love but there's so many songs to choose from and these damn radio programs play two. We've, if you've heard the podcast before, you've heard me bitching about it. So yeah. Oh yeah. Right. This that, is, that, that modern day amplification. The, the reoccurring theme on this show is me bitching about that. All right. So what are, what are, is this our episode then? Yeah, we're done. That was it? Okay. <laughs> we're just going to bitch for an hour. Short, yeah, that's easy. See you next week. All right, later. No, I thought we would do a part two today of the Aussie Pub Rock. And Craig, it is still our number two most downloaded episode of all time. We have five downloads on that episode. It's amazing. Five. Wow. All from Sydney so, for some reason. All from Sydney, yeah. from right and around my, your area. Yeah, your zip code. My zip code. <laughs> <laughs> no, people seem to really love that episode, so I think it's time for us to revisit. And maybe you can just give us a, a very brief synopsis of what exactly, for folks who are not from Australia, what pub rock means, what it was. Yeah, so pub rock started late 60s, early 70s, a number of bands. And it's basically just a bunch of bands formed and they just amalgamated a whole lot of different types of music. And there was very little commercial radio in the early 70s. So you couldn't listen to too much stuff that even the stuff that was coming from overseas. So you basically went to your local bar and listened to this music and it just evolved. And the thing with Aussie Pub Rocket, it's not something you can put your finger on in terms of a a genre at all. There's elements of stoner metal, heavy metal, rock, punk, new wave, all mixed in together, but it's really hard to put your finger on. I think one really defining factor is there are no screaming vocalists and no guitar heroics. It's it's all about a band and basically performing generally in a bar of about anywhere from 100 to 500 people, probably even smaller sometimes, to just get that message across of the music. And it's, you know, it was always hot and sweaty and smoky and drunks, and but it was fun. So it was just guitar, amps, drums. And I think, you know, the reference back in episode 55 was yeah, meat and potatoes rocker. It really, really is. Some of the other stuff that we'll probably have a look at today probably moves a little bit further into the more commercial metas uh, and what I'd call the American style hard rock but um, it really is it's a it's a style of music it's not a it's not a genre but it's just an attitude I think towards music that's there's no BS and it's just let's get into a bar and play and and the albums and the and the live performances were really close so it was something that you could really really latch onto when you went and saw these bands live and they toured their ass off because the Australian market was all they had and it was just way too expensive to go overseas and, and try your luck so only a few bands did it and only a few succeeded in the US particularly which is why a lot of these bands and I'm sure we could do probably 10 episodes and there'd be bands that folks have never heard of outside of Australia because they just didn't get to travel and they didn't have distribution at that time. Yeah, and I think today, I think I've grabbed more music that, look, Australians are going to just roll their eyes yet again because some of these are multi-multi-platinum, right. you know, number one albums. But I'd be really confident that a lot of these bands, Americans will go, I've got no idea who that is. I may have heard their name once, but I cannot tell you a song. I cannot tell you what they did, what year they were in, what era. And there was one, one band 
actually today that I've, I've asked a lot of friends and some older relatives that were around during the 70s pub scene. And there's one particular band that they couldn't even remember, hmm. uh, which is really cool because um, I stumbled across them and I was like, wow, didn't even know this existed. I'm wondering if that's the first band. So I've taken your songs that you sent to me. And of course, I assumed you thought that I wouldn't know who these bands are, but there are a yeah. few that I know. And the first one we're going to play might be the one you're talking about. I actually have two albums by this band, if it's the one I'm thinking of. Okay. And this, this is in, uh, more of an acid rock proto metal band from the early 70s. Is wow. That, is that who you were talking you've, about? Yes. Yeah, right. It is. And I'm, you've stunned me. Yes, well, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. Craig, why don't you just assume that I am the average American? Because Kevin is not... <laughs> the average yeah, American this is true. when it comes to music, yeah, okay? Yeah. So I will play the role of the average Yank. Yeah. Or... <laughs> yeah, Kevin Kevin can maintain the role of uh, the treble cliff poindexter. Exactly. <laughs> and the other thing I will say, so we are talking about a band called Buffalo. True. And the other thing I'm going to say is, I actually have a t-shirt. I have a Buffalo t-shirt. What? Oh, I thought <laughs> it was just the football team. No, no, I have a... <laughs> I mentioned it in our last episode that I, at one point in time, a few years ago, I found this guy on eBay who was doing all of these classic acid rock bands, oh, yeah. like these obscure acid rock bands. He was making screen printed shirts of these bands. And so I bought several. Buffalo was one of the shirts that I bought because yeah, why? Because I had discovered them doing just a deep dive into acid rock and I had their first two albums. And when you sent this to me, I'm like, oh yeah, Sunrise from Volcanic Rock, 1973. I own that one. You're an ass. Seriously. <laughs> I'm, I'm sitting here going, ha-ha, I finally got Poindexter. No, 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 I have the shirt, I have the album. We can't take him anywhere. <laughs> oh, you're a constant embarrassment to the Inobscuria brand. Yeah. <laughs> so this band was originally called Head, which is such a better name for an acid rock stoner band from the 70s. Why would you change yes. it to Buffalo? Because there was Buffalo Springfield like two years before that, wasn't there? Yeah. Well, I was going to make a joke about, yeah, how many Buffalo were in Australia. Well, actually, there are quite a few Buffalo oh, in Australia. So <laughs> I looked that up too. I didn't know y'all had it. Yes. tons. Yes. It's hot there. Those guys have lots of fur. That's uh. Well, you know, Australia has two types of buffalo, the river type from the Western Asian uh, part, and then they have curled horns. And then you have the swamp type of buffalo from Eastern Asia with the swept back horns. You're a lot of fun at parties, aren't you? <laughs> oh, All right, Norm. Lord. Well, I, no, not Norm. What was the other guy? Well, what I can't fathom is how one can drink ice cold beer in freezing weather. Cliff, explanation, please. Now, how do you know he has one? Five bucks says he does, ten says it's a doozy. When the uh, British rule the Punjab, ten bucks all the way. <laughs> so they drink uh, steaming hot pots of tea on the hottest days of the year to uh, balance out their inside and outside temperatures. See, conversely, uh, drinking an ice cold drink on a cold day uh, actually results in a more uh, comfortable body temperature. All right. Why do you drink ice cold beer on a hot day? Mr. Clavin, what else are you going to do with it? Well, don't you remember well, Crocodile actually, Dundee when, yeah. he, when he hypnotized the, the buffalo? Oh, that's right. He did the horns. Yeah. <laughs> the rock and roll yeah. devil horns. Yeah, exactly. He deoed them. He deoed them. He deoed them. Hey, just on there. It's been quickly, 35 years since I've seen that movie, and I remember that. Why? I can't remember what I had for lunch today. Hey, Kev, there's a limited edition uh, picture disc of Holy Diver coming out. All right. Picture Reissue. Disc. Just speaking of Dio. What the hell is a picture disc? It's it has a, a picture on it. It's, it's an album with a picture on it. Okay. <laughs> okay. An LP. 
picture disc. It just sounds like <laughs> something. Like. It sounds like something from the. Well, it's a um, Kodachrome. No, it's uh, vinyl. View Master. It's, it's, it's vinyl. Oh, it's a vinyl with a yeah. picture. I have I have a Dio picture disc of Killing the Dragon. Oh, okay. Actually. So yeah, I don't know. Great album. That's a great one. All right, back to Buffalo. Do you want to tell us a little bit about Buffalo now that I've completely deflated you? It's an upstate New York. Oh, man. Hello. Deflated guest here. So, yeah, look, formed in 71. I think one really interesting fact on this is the bass guitarist is a fellow called Peter Wells, who, uh, when the band broke up in and around sort of 76, 77, went and formed a pretty influential Australian band called Rose Tattoo. Yes, the amazing Rose Tattoo. So, Who I'm going to see, Craig, I'm going to go see Rose Tattoo on a boat. Wow. Yep. Next year, I'm okay, going so on the Monsters of Rock. And they're going to be there. Hopefully, you are near the front because Angry Anderson is about five foot three. <laughs> Thank he you for doing the conversion. I appreciate that. Yeah, that's okay. He's 158 centimeters. But he is a <laughs> tiny little guy. But don't mess with him. <laughs> Well, you, you shouldn't have told spunky. me that. Don't don't harass him by the pool like you did uh, the fella from Asia. Oh, no, that yes. was uh, no, it wasn't. The, oh no, who was it? No, it was Alan Parsons. Alan Parsons. Oh, Alan Parsons yeah. project. He's sort of Alan Parsons. project somewhere. That's right. Yeah, I knew it was one of those borderline yeah. yacht rock. Yeah, I'm probably going to bother. I probably am going to bother Angry Anderson now that you said this to me because I won't be able to not do it now that you yes. said this to me. And I'll also probably be bothering Saxon's Biff Byford because why wouldn't you want to bother Biff Byford? Yeah. Yeah, no, great. Yeah, it's not Biff Tannen. <laughs> More about Buffalo, please. More about Buffalo. Well, look, they came and went. And the problem with, um, as I said earlier, there was very little commercial radio in Australia in the early 70s. So they were completely more or less black band from commercial radio. So unless you went and saw them in a bar or a pub, whatever, you had no idea that they existed. Now, they actually had the support slot for Black Sabbath when they toured Australia in 73. It was a good year. Uh, it was a good year, Yes. Oh, yeah, that's right. You were born. <laughs> okay. Um, moving on. But then they really didn't do much after that. They, they had a couple of member changes and uh, went into a more commercial direction. You know, they had album covers banned due to, you know, borderline obscenity and some of the lyrics and bits and pieces in some of their songs. So they're really on the edge, I suppose, in terms of really ruffling feathers of very conservative, what I'd call white Australia back in the late 60s, early 70s. So they, as I said, they had a lot of, lineup changes and you'll find today with a lot of the bands Australian bands because it's really hard to make it because of the population at the time there was only probably about 12 million people in Australia in the early 70s in the whole country so it meant if you didn't have a really big hit quickly and then go overseas and make it huge inevitably within four or five years you were going to break up right should we talk about the album cover for this particular we're going to play sunrise off of volcanic rock should we talk about this album cover because it's a depiction of a female but it's called volcanic rock so she's menstruating <laughs> it's a volcano i'm out <laughs> Yeah. yeah, as I said, they didn't hold back with their so you know that that really didn't make it onto the shelves of, of uh, the record stores and of the Your Australian local, version of Quickie Walmart. Mark. <laughs> yeah, I don't think anybody was yeah. ready for that in 1973. <laughs> yeah, they. Um, I think they pushed it a little too hard. These young kiddies. So unfortunately, it just led to band changes and, and their ultimate demise. But I think you know, listening to it, it was really really interesting stuff. It was sort of uh, psychedelic, heavy garage jam rock. Yes, yeah, total um, total acid rock. It fits in with whenever we do our acid rock and proto metal it would have been played on one of those episodes if we were playing it here so absolutely yeah. let's listen to sunrise come my way this is from 1973 a very good year here's buffalo <laughs>
Craig, before the song you were describing, Pub Rock, and you mentioned that it, one of the characteristics of Pub Rock was the lack of vocal and guitar theatrics. And yes. that was a perfect description that I needed because it can. this music sounds like a lot of other just classic rock stuff, but it wasn't the over-the-top vocals and the guitar stuff. And I really connect with this because when I was in a band, as we discussed at the beginning of the episode, I loved singing, but I did not have the most theatrical voice. I just liked to sing. And it was kind of a mid-range voice. Same thing with the guitar. I could play guitar. I was not a shredder or anything like that. I did a few solos here and there, but this was more in our wheelhouse. And I didn't know about pub rock back then, 20 years ago, but I would have identified more of that because it's just straight ahead rock and roll having fun being loud writing good music but it was without the hysterics and theatrics that some of the music that we love contains Mm -hmm. Uh, but yeah that was a great example in the beginning of that song having two distinct leads not harmonies guitar harmonies two leads at the same time and I love that there's very few bands that are able to pull that off our local fan favorite Leonard Skinner is known to do that and a couple other bands but that's just it's a very unique sound when they're able to pull that off very Sabbath as well Sabbath Sabbath too I only did that all the time yeah so he was Sabbath I am it was doubling up on his own lead was this band but he was playing different leads right, he was no, doubling I mean doubling different leads, different leads yeah, but it was band. one good same guitar player yeah. was this band did they have two guitars or was it one guitar player doubling up I want to say it's one pretty one. Yeah, just the one. Okay, yeah. so, but it sounded great yeah. though. So you know, there's a lot of people that go back, like Randy Rhodes would go back and and solo over his solo with harmonies. But this sounded yeah. like two different guitar players completely at the same time. I was going to say, yeah, I, I thought it was really cool. I stumbled across it. The only thing in that song, I just don't quite think that the the chorus fitted. It just sort of came out of nowhere. That's um, best sunrise. Whereas the rest of it was just really sort of dirty dirty yeah. rock and then it went really happy talking about sunrise it's a very 60s but, chorus on a very 70s stoner metal that's a good way to look at it. yeah yeah exactly i dug it i think they're really cool but yeah they just they pushed too many conservative buttons early in their career which led them to basically we've got to write more commercial stuff if we want to be famous they did that it created scent they broke up i'd say they accomplished what they wanted to which yeah. was they shocked the people yeah, that's what they were trying to do. I mean, I don't think, I don't know, maybe they thought they could go somewhere, but I think they were doing exactly what they wanted to, which was pushing buttons and trying to shock people. And that was the thing. Their other album that I have, Dead Forever, the first one, very much along the same lines. It's a little more Sabbathy even than that. But the one mm. thing that I'll say that I, the reason that I gravitated towards this band once I discovered them was they have a punk appeal. They're way ahead of the punk movement, mm-hmm. but they have this kind of punk rock appeal to there's something in their music that's very almost like black flaggish it's like they're playing something that is to come yeah and i think yeah crossing that void as well that there's a little bit of that the attitude of motorhead as well that you know that heavy band that's going to be accepted by punks and heavy metal at the same time yep right absolutely and that wasn't even a thing yet so they were exactly (laughs) they were way out of their time i think a lot of the bands today or a couple of them in particular you're going to listen to them go they were probably two or three years in front of where the curve was because they just came up with something based on a blend of styles they'd seen but yeah we'll we'll get to those sort of bands but one or two of the bands really reminded me of big jack in terms of just their approach exactly what robert was just saying no bells no whistles just good fun rock it sounded good it was well written the lead singer was a dead set hottie Um, (laughs) damn straight damn straight so yeah he was the real hottie um (laughs) stefan's back whatever whatever sells cds man (laughs) 
<laughs> Push your pull. Anyway, so yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll come up with uh, a few of those bands today, but there was a lot of big jack in Aussie pub rock. It was just fun to go and watch and listen to type we, music. If we've said it once, we've said it a million times, we would have been yep. huge in Australia and Canada. Canada. And Canada. <laughs> Damn it. Combined population of 10. Yes. <laughs> All 12 Canadians that would have heard us. Well, hey, man, I want to talk about a band that caught the attention of Little River Band's guitarist, David Briggs. I want to talk about this band that I can't believe I'd never heard of when I started reading about them. I don't know if I'd never heard of Australian Crawl. So tell us a little bit about Australian Australian Crawl. Crawl. Well, named after the swimming stroke. So I don't know if you guys are aware, but Freestyle is actually the Australian Crawl. See, I would have, I would have whoa, whoa, assumed. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Are you making stuff up? No, he's he's. No, 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 no. Oh. Hand on heart, man. Just, Come right, on, you know I don't. Swimming bullshit. in a pool was invented by Australians. <laughs> no, the, the desert stroking. The, <laughs> yeah, we invented pools yeah. and the exclamation mark. <laughs> yeah, okay. I'm just wondering here. You're going out on a limb here. No, and we invented air quotes. Yes. Uh, I'm just going through the list here. No, no, no. OJ. So the, the swimming style, because um, the early Olympics, there were some incredibly successful Australian swimmers. So freestyle was already invented, but they called it the Australian crawl because we were so good at it. See, I would have heard that name and just assumed that they were named after what we do here in the States. When you get a pub completely crawl. Completely shit-faced. Yeah. They're pub rock. And you can't walk. Well, why wouldn't it be a pub crawl? Yeah. Where you go from bar to bar to bar and just drink your... Until you can't walk. Just you drink crawl. until you crawl. Yep. <laughs> That's a good analogy because I think most of the times the um, people that go and see him would end up that way. But um, <laughs> yeah, David Briggs from Little River Band, another very famous Australian band that, that made it in the US. I hate the Little River Band. No, I'm just kidding. Oh, <laughs> just you're kidding. a lonesome That's, loser. <laughs> That's another band that I thought was Southern Rock. Didn't know they were from they Australia. Southern Hemisphere. It's way Southern. Deep and South. And you, you, mentioned, you mentioned Rick Springfield before. You know he's yeah. Australian. No, he's from General Hospital. (laughs) (laughs) Dr. Bombay. Yeah, he's Australian. You didn't know this? I I don't care. Okay. Okay. I've never never cared anything about Rick Springfield to think about. Oh, Oh I wonder where he's from. He's a national treasure. How's his mother? (laughs) She's well. Um, She had a fall the other week and had a hit, but she's well. (laughs) She had to go to the General Hospital. Um, Boom, Tish. Okay, so yeah, these guys were formed in 78, 79 in Melbourne, really closely related to like the surf music scene in Melbourne and sung a, sung a lot of songs about, I wouldn't say social issues, but very locally based issues. A lot of their lyrics were very Australian, I suppose. They talked they about had three being guitarists. dry and hot, right? Yes, Exactly. But no, just about, they'd mentioned different makes of car that were Australian cars. They'd, oh. they'd talk about things at the beach that were very Australian instead of sort of international type words that they'd use. Three guitarists in this band. Whoa. And yeah. There's there's a battle of the amps. Guitar army. Yes. But what they did, and hopefully you can pick it up on the song, they could actually replicate what they did on the on the albums almost perfectly live. Every guitarist was playing something different with different tones. So it was really cool. You can't really pick it because they're not heavy in terms of a hard rock band. They are power pop, like a surf-based power pop band, which most of the Aussie bands were. Look, these guys up until 84, they were signed by Geffen Records. They were trying to push them in the, um, the US market. They toured with Duran Duran 
or Duran Squared in the UK. So, they, you know, again, they, they had their opportunities, but again, infighting. One of the key songwriters died in 84 of uh, pneumonia, but he had a pretty bad drug problem as well. They got to the point where they spent about $400,000 on an album in 1984, which was, for an Australian band, that's a lot of money. It flopped. They couldn't pay it back. So they broke up and then released a handful of greatest hits albums. And the lead singer, James Rain, has gone on to have a really, really healthy and long-lasting solo career, which still goes to this day. You can go and see him every few months. He's on tour. So, but great band. One of those bands that I think everyone in Australia just loves. Really quintessential pub rock band. These guys would play four or five nights a week. One thing I found interesting as I was reading up on them is that in 81, at the end of the year, they were the number two behind, their album was number two behind Double Fantasy, John Lennon. It was actually ahead, I, I can't believe this, it was ahead of ACDC's Back in Black. Damn. Yeah. In Australia. That's crazy. Yeah, they would, look, everyone calls them Aussie Crawl or Crawl. I'm not Australian Crawl. We shorten everything. Kevin, Kev. Robert. You're busy. I understand. You got a lot to do. Yeah. You don't we have, have time a lot for, to do. So. You don't have time for syllables. But yeah, they were huge. And again, really pushed the envelope. They had their first album, The Boys Light Up, had like a silhouette, a live photo, but a silhouette of a semi-naked girl on a beach. One of the songs called The Boys Light Up was heavily in for, uh, inferences of um, fellatio and things in the song. So they didn't play it on the radio. Mm. At all. Too bad. But they were still incredibly popular and would just would just pack out places. Uh, you know, they're all pubs, so they're not huge, but they were just tour, tour, tour. One of their last performances was not at a pub. It was the 1985 Oz for Africa. So it was part of yeah. the Live Aid program. They played on it. That's kind of Which cool. was the, the night before the Live Aid concert. There was an Australian one that had, I think, Minot Oil in excess, Aussie Crawl, Angels, Dragon, you know, Rose Tattoo, all these other bands, yeah, so. That's killer. All right, well, let's hear a little Australian surf music. This is Australian Crawl, or Crawl, with Things Don't Seem from 1981.
what year did you say that was? 81. 81. Okay, because that's what I was thinking. It sounded similar to some of the early police, not the vocals, but the just the bounciness. Well, I was going to throw this out there. Yeah. Next time you listen to this song, sing the chorus to So Lonely over that chorus. So, well, that's, it fits perfectly. That's what I was thinking. So so Lonely. So, so it sounds like that. Wow. It sounds like the early 80s. And some of the guitar stuff reminded me of Men at Work, which came out, what, 82? Mm-hmm. So all that, that I never thought of Men at Work as a pub rock band. But now some of their songs, I kind of, I mean, they're a little jingly jangly, but the on the spectrum of just pop rock, not the harder edge rock that we heard with Damn. Buffalo was more of the harder side of the pub rock. And then this was more of the pop jinglier side of it, like you said. But it, I started to see other comparisons to bands that, like I said, I never thought of as pub rock. And so it, it leads me to the minute work. And uh, yeah, that was, I, I didn't hear three guitars, but I could definitely hear some very distinct parts to that that I, I, I'm impressed that they could pull that off on stage. It'd be a fun band to just dance to. That was so popular on the live set, but the, it, they were just a, a, a power pop band, like basically. They had some massive songs you know, in Australia. And again, most people will hear Australian Crawl um, on this episode from Australia and go, really? But the younger audience may not have sort of dug deep enough into them to sort of go, they're, they're a pretty cool band. They were tight. They played a lot of gigs and it was just, it's just fun music to listen to. Yeah. Now, I know by the time they broke up, you were probably too young to have gone to see them. Did your sisters go? Do you remember? Yeah, absolutely. One of my older sisters is a, a hotel just up the road from where I live now. It's called the Bexley Hotel. And they were, they were, released a really popular album, I think in 82, called Sirocco. And my brother-in-law got a phone call to say, hey, Aussie Crawl's going to be at the Bexley pub tonight. 20 people showed up because it was an impromptu It was an impromptu gig that no one knew about for the launch of this album. They basically did a trial run live show, but in a bar. They didn't rehearse in a rehearsal room. They would go to a bar and play it live. And they were there. And to this day, my sister still has the signed LP of that really popular album, uh, so yeah, they they saw that band live in front of about twenty people. Do you need to take care of that again? Just go stop it. Hey. That's going in. Yeah, <laughs> we've all been there. All right, so that that was a good pop rock, pub rock, pop pub rock. Yep. What else you got? All right, this next one I'm excited for. This is a Sydney band, uh, another band formed in the same year of 1978, which that was near Midnight Oil's same time of becoming we're not all started in 76 yeah so right around the same time but yeah yeah tons of the sydney live scene man from 70 let's say 73 to 85 was just insane in terms of all these young bands that would last for three four five six years and then disappear well, this is a band that I really dig, and we just mentioned the police. This band supported the police in Australia in 1980, and I mentioned Midnight Oil. They were also on Midnight Oil's Powderworks Records. Mm-hmm. So we're talking about the Radiators. Tell us about the Radiators. This is a killer song. And there's the dog. Sorry. Okay, sorry. Edit that one out. Or um, not. The Rats. Or not. <laughs> Or not. Yeah, so the radiators, of course, we call them the rads because we're very busy and we have too much, you know, lots of things to do. So, yeah, look, they formed in Western Sydney, 78. They came from a lot of regional towns. So, Bega, which is a town like eight hours south of Sydney. That's right up the street. Yeah, exactly. In Australia. Yeah, yeah, just across across the road. (laughs) I did read somewhere that in the space of their first, say, seven or eight years... I think it might have been. They played 2,500 gigs. 
That's over 200 a year, by the way. Damn. <laughs> That's crazy, yeah. man. Who, yeah, was, they, who was hiring this band? Where were they playing? God, if we practiced yeah, twice exactly. in one but week, they, I was worn out. Yeah, they, they, you, you would go to you know local pubs in Sydney. There was probably about 20 or 25 of them that they had one of these... 70s or 80s bands virtually every night, probably except Monday, Tuesday. So they were the night. So Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. They had one of these bands every night. So you could just go and see a live band that you're buying the albums and hearing now on the radio. You could see them virtually, one of these bands every night of the week, every day of the year. That's so cool. this, the scene was insane, really insane. But this band looked started, yeah, in 78. Really interesting sound. Um, I saw them only a handful of years ago in a, in a club. There was probably only a couple of hundred people there they translate much better live than they did on the album this recording of this particular song i think is a bit weak but i think what they brought from like a sort of a post-punk early new wave simple songwriting same same formula but from a different slant so it wasn't the psychedelic rock slant it wasn't the surf rock slant it was more of a punk new wave slant but it's still not something, again, that you can put your finger on. Now, this band had some notoriety. I think you've got the song, Kev. I think I gave it to you. They had a very charming little tune called Gimme Head back in uh, the early 80s, which obviously didn't get played on radio. <laughs> but it was an absolute standard or a classic at, uh, at school discos. Um, so I, unlike yourself, Kev, did not wear my um, Iron Maiden patch to my ninth grade disco. Well, you should have. You would have done as well as there I did, go. which was going home early to watch Iron Maiden videos on MTV. <laughs> to squeeze your acne. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Hello. <laughs> but yeah, cool, look, again, cool, cool band and, and just had a slightly different sound. Again, the, the singer's not trying to do anything heroic. They're just writing good melodies, good songs. But again, look, they had 10 members over, over a span of, you know, when they were at their peak, just too much infighting, too much jumping around because it was really, really hard to make it as a local band in the Australian scene, but just a mainstay of pub rock and festivals and all that stuff in the early to mid 80s. Yeah, and they actually had nine full-length albums, as I did my research here, from 80 to 2000. First three were either platinum or gold, and they never changed their sound. Sort of like another Australian band that everybody in the world knows. I really dig this song when I heard it, so I I hope our listeners are going to like it as well. So let's play The Rads, The Radiators. This is coming home from Feel the Heat 1980. Unlock the door and light the fire My head is filled with sweet desire Slip into something comfortable Now you don't have to fly so low Don't have to eat or sleep alone I'm making my way home to you Don't worry, it's alright I'll be coming home to see you tonight Don't worry it's okay, I'll be coming home to see you today Just telephoned, I had to say This boy of yours is I okay No need for tears, I'm on my way Too many weeks I've had to hide My face as I tore up inside No need to fear, I'm home to stay I'll be coming home to see you tonight Don't worry, it's okay I'll be coming home to see you today I'll be coming home to see you tonight 
first 60 seconds of that song you could have convinced me that that was a cover of a go-go song <laughs> yeah. it sounded that bebop we've jangly. got the beat we've, we've got, got the beat. vacations yeah. all i ever want to i mean you could plug in 15 different courses like that or verses but it's squarely in the early 80s new wave tail end of punk you know beginning of the electric new wave and it was all just a lot of bands that were just jay giles band that were just party bands they weren't necessarily anything specific but they were just fun people dancing to it and having a good time. I totally dig it. I think it's great. I know you said that you don't think the recording is representing them very well, but to me, it's that is a time capsule. Yeah, it's tight. It's tight. Yeah, it sounds yeah. cool, but it's definitely a time capsule. You know when that was recorded. Yeah. I kind of like that in some songs. Yeah, it's okay. I mean, not, doesn't, everything doesn't have to sound like 1976. I think the cool thing is that when you do see that live and you've got some more modern technology and, and the amplification in venues and things now, it punches you right in the chest, That's that, that song in particular so they are just they just seem heavier live than than what they do on the recording but yeah it's a it's a cool recording it's it's really stripped back and as you can see he just sings in virtually he, he doesn't waver any more than a few notes up and down so <laughs> he but knows he his going across yeah yeah he knows where he can stay and that's where he that's what he does he stays <laughs> i'm good with that yeah what's worse is when somebody doesn't know where their range is mm-hmm. and they try to go outside of it that's when it's bad it's like the guy from puddle of mud yes which one? Oh, have you not heard the Puddle of Mud version? Oh, Puddle of Mud. Of, uh, oh, yeah, Nirvana. yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, sorry, I didn't hear what you said, but yes, I've heard that. It's we'll horrible. be putting that in somewhere around here. Not in the much. Recording. Don't put much. Right. 
it's we'll lose a lot of listeners at that point. Go and go and also check out Bon Jovi these days singing. Oh my god! I mean, added to the list of horrible outtakes that have been caught recently. Yeah, it's bad. Justin Hawkins from The Darkness has a um, a podcast. It's a video cast. Have you seen that? Yeah, it's on YouTube. Oh, does he highlight things like this? He he basically takes yeah he takes a lot of these legacy acts and he kind of breaks down what they're doing. Sometimes it's good and yeah. uh, sometimes it's just like he really needs to stop singing. Here's what he's doing. Here's how his voice has changed. He breaks everything down. So that guy's you, great. What is your thought on Paul Stanley using tracks? He actually covered Paul Stanley. He does yeah. that one. Yeah. yeah. He, he kind of defended it a little bit. He's like, if you're going to see Kiss, you're going for the spectacle. The show. Okay. Well, yeah. That is they, Kiss. They can get away with a Bon Jovi? No. Justin Hawkins writes again, again. I don't think this does anything to diminish the the legacy. I love the controversy that that they might be doing things like this, but I mean, these guys are pioneers. Look at their show. It's still it's still one of the greatest things you can experience, regardless of how much live singing is happening. So you've got to ask yourself, what are you going to go to a Kiss gig four. You're going to go there to watch Paul Stanley really, really struggle, or do you want to see him kicking ass in, when he's within his comfort zone and doing the stuff that he can still do really well, and then having a little bit of um, technology to help him in the moments when he can't, and then still go home with a huge grin on your face because you've seen something that is truly spectacular. Um, for me, that's that's how I feel about it. Because at the end of the day, who are we? Who are, who are they kidding? I mean, who who we we mustn't <laughs> we mustn't expect. That that's all. All that stuff is happening without the kind of assistance that they're being accused of. It's kiss. You know, it hurts them to have to do it. I think, but you know, them's the breaks, kidder. Fifty years at the top. You can't expect to do it night in, night out without the assistance of somebody fading it in. It's all about expectations, I think. Justin Hawkins writes again, again. I feel confident that Kiss do the very best they can, night in, night out, and they give it. They give us everything they've got. Sometimes they don't feel it's enough, and they need some help. Where's the harm in it? No. Well, Bon Jovi's not using tracks. <laughs> oh, he's just singing so poorly. He's I mean, sounding old. But then, oh, yeah. it's terrible. He sh- he should bring his sister Anne out. Have you heard her, Robert? Anne. Joe and Jovi. Ah, there's a dad joke for you. Oh, I love it. I just uh, sound, come back Thursday. I'm I, live again. I had to sound it out to get. I'm like, is he making a joke? Yes, he's making a joke. Yes, sorry. Uh, a slow. We're a bit slow over here. Slow. In the northern hemisphere. It's late. All right. Well, I dug that one, and the next song we're going to play is from a band that we played already way back in episode six. Beneath the Hair, Forgotten Glam Metal. I threw this band in. And if I remember correctly, Robert fell in love with this woman's voice. Didn't know what she looked like, but he was like, I guarantee she's hot. Or she's at least cute. (laughs) Somewhere in there. (laughs) Well, yeah. Well, you were were talking about Susanna Hoffs on the 80s episode with the Hazy Shane. Oh, yeah. Now, this I I think this chick is is up there at the same level. She's like five two. <laughs> yeah, so so is so is this um, young lass. Oh, um, you need to look her up while this song's on, Robert, and okay. um, enjoy yourself. <laughs> 
she happened to be married to Nuno Betancourt at one point. Oh, okay. uh, and they had two children together. So we were talking about the band Baby Animals, who again yes. we played way way back in episode six. But tell us more about this band, and I love that we're playing them again. Yeah, I um, this is one of the best debut Australian albums or albums that I've ever heard. It was actually produced by you may know the name Kev um, Kevin Shirley. Oh yeah, who does the Caveman? Iron Caveman does, Shirley. Yeah, the Caveman, South African record producer who has done Dream Theater. He's done Iron Maiden. He's done a lot of Australia. He did Frog Stomp by Silverchair. So this guy's got some got some cred. It was re- recorded this this debut album in I think New York. But look, you know they they joined the Black Crows on a tour of New Zealand. They did a European tour with Brian Adams. They played Late Night with David Letterman. They went on the For Unlawful Carnal Knowledge tour with Van Halen. They had Susie DiMarchi on the cover of Rolling Stone. They supported Robert Plant on his US tour. They shared the stage with Extreme, where she met Nuno. So they had their opportunities, but unfortunately, this stuff was getting released in 92, 93, and we all oh, know what yeah. was happening. And we know what happened. There was only room for one thing in 1992 yeah, or three. They didn't wear flannel or cardigans, nope. and it was a little bit too energetic and probably a little bit too produced, but in terms of raw rock music, I, I probably wouldn't have put them in the hair category at all. I think they are an in-betweener. Yeah. Uh, probably well right. and truly because they didn't have the glam look at all. And with the female lead singer, you know, with short hair. But the music is just killer. I, I, I was going to choose between two songs. There's a song called Ain't Gonna Get, which is a really heavy tune off the same album. But this song I've chosen, we used to come home from nights out in the city where the designated driver would put this CD into his car and we would just crank the hell out of this song. Great tune, great band. They're still playing. But, yeah, they are just a really killer band that I think, man, two years time difference and they are billionaires. Well, and... But- it- and let's let's be honest. In Australia, I mean, they're eight times platinum their debut album. So they yeah. were huge in 1991. They go on tour with Van Halen here in the states. So they had every opportunity, even being if we want to label them an in betweener. They had every opportunity because Van Halen were one of those bands that avoided the whole thing. Yeah, they, they transcended were still huge hair bands. They were not a hair band. So if any band should have had a, a shot, it should have been them. But for yeah. whatever reason, it didn't happen here in the states. And maybe it was just because of the changing. Language landscape and it's okay for Van Halen to, to go there but you know any band who's an in-betweener and not quite yeah. alternative it's, maybe that was it so yeah lost opportunity unfortunately for them but I agree a great band Robert's gonna look them up and oh yeah she's got a oh he's already looked oh up. yeah she's got kind of a Pat Benatar Joan Jett aura to bingo great yes alright well let's just go ahead and listen to them and so you can continue to look at your pictures there Robert yes this is Baby Animals working for the enemy from Baby Animals 1991 Bye. 
So that was power pop pub rock. It wasn't hair metal, wasn't the psychedelic acid rock or anything like that. It was just good power pop. I think yeah, Craig nailed I, it. I think it's hard rock. I think they were an in-betweener. In I between. think they were totally in between the 80s and 90s. Yeah, it wasn't with, hair, it wasn't grunge, but it was a good mix. It wasn't blues rock. Uh, uh, yeah, I, I can't really put my finger on it, but that was, it was just good rock. And yeah, Van Halen was established, and so it was easier for them to make that transition. They've been around for 15 years. I don't know, however long, 14 years. Yeah, they're, years they're always going to sell an album, aren't they? Yeah. 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 Any year, at least, someone's going to buy it. Yeah. Well, you're right. They had an opportunity, and so it's not like it was just a timing thing. They were out there but it just wasn't the right market for him, I guess. I said this last time we played them, and I heard it again when we were listening to this song. There's something about the, the songwriting, so the arrangement of the guitar and what the guitarist is playing that reminds me so much of 90s and 2000s Alex Lifeson Rush. Ooh. It has such a connection to me, the way that they're composing these songs in 1991 to Rush. And I don't know if anybody else out there, let me know if you hear that as well, but I hear a strong Alex Lifeson connection here. And that's today. Today's rush <laughs> connection rush. <laughs> with an R. That doesn't make sense. <laughs> no, I tried. I tried. You know, I'm trying to come up with new content, man. Sorry. It could be it's a, better than today's thrush connection. Thrush. It could be our rush erection. Rush. No, no. <laughs> no, I'm gonna vote that down. No. <laughs> Kevin's had a few of them. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Hurry up! <laughs> hey, a really, really cool story. How this band got their initial break? We mentioned on back in episode fifty-five of the band, the Angels. They were releasing a song back in nineteen ninety called "The Dogs Are Talking." So what they did on side B of the single was put the Baby Animals song, and then two other bands, and then they took on on the B side of their single, and then took them on tour. So really cool that. You know, the bands were looking out for each other and an established band took three bands under their wing, uh, put their songs on a B-side of a single and then took them out on a national tour. That is super cool. I mean, that's kind of what the punk bands do, even to this day. They, yeah, they, they do those they splits. They stick together. Yeah. They do the split singles where you have half, you know, half an EP, one band, half the other, or a single that's a split single. A lot of hip-hop rap artists, it's your song featuring. Featuring, yeah. And then the yeah. next guy's song featuring. Yeah, it's true. That's very cool. Yeah, I totally dig that band. And when I played them the first time, I gave you props, Craig. So way back in episode six, I was talking about how I stole music from you. Yeah, exactly. And then you, you guys went on to talk about my late night drunken phone calls and questioning whether there was any respectable people in Australia. I remember. So, you know, <laughs> I, I don't hold a grudge. No, not at all. You don't even remember. <laughs> from two. From, so when did you start? You started in uh, 2019. 2019. 2019. 2019, man. I was still in my 40s. Yeah. Robert wasn't. <laughs> I, don't, I don't remember my 40s. <laughs> uh, well, let's stay on this power pop trip because I want to hear from another band from Sydney. Another band formed right around the same time, 1979. And yep. this one has a funny, I know the name's kind of funny to me, the Sunny Boys. So tell us about yep. the Sunny Boys. Okay, a Sunny Boy is an orange-flavoured, tetrahedron-shaped uh, frozen ice block, ice tree. Does it, um, doesn't translate over here, but I, I got you. I'm going Tetrahedron-shaped ice tree. It's a popsicle. Yeah. <laughs> no, it's not. It's a tetrahedron-shaped ice tree. See, wait. popsicle. <laughs> but you shorten everything else. Yeah, that, you just made that really long and complicated. Yeah, he didn't go to the store and say, excuse me, shopkeeper, can I please uh, purchase a tetrahedron-shaped orange-flavoured <laughs> ice tree? I want we one said, now. Give a, we said, give me a sunny boy, dickhead. 
Anyway, so they named themselves after the, and they still sell them. They're really cool. And they used to have a thing that when you ate it, you would look on the inside of the packaging and you would win what was called a free. So you would take it back to the store and get a free one. So really cool. Anyway, I'm in favor of that. I like this. Yeah. I like every that. single so, one. Well, that's a bad business single. plan. That's a bad <laughs> business plan. <laughs> <laughs> Dave, I told you, one in every thousand. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, so they came up with that name, or not came up with it, borrowed that name, because it was bright, it was fun, it was energetic, and everyone knew the name. It was such a relatable name. These guys, yeah, another one of those bands, every band poster you would see driving around Sydney from the late 70s through to the mid-80s, Sunny Boys, Sunny Boys, Sunny Boys, Radiators, Angels, Dragon, Rose Tattoo, Australian Crawl, like just this constant flood of touring. Oh, that's what a tetrahedron looks like. <laughs> Sorry, he Googled. <laughs> Go ahead. I thought you were still looking at Susie Damachi. I just flipped over. Now I'm going back. <laughs> Could you These bring up a picture form. of Rush real quick? Yeah, that's uh, Rush without the TH because you don't want to look up the other one. This looks good. Now I'm hungry. <laughs> what did you cook today, Robert? Just out of curiosity, any more stuff from the garden? No, I did, did you all cook that. Any- Yesterday, I cooked a big meal f- with all kinds of vegetables, and it was healthy. And today, I had sushi from the grocery store. Next so door. no more oak. And you like my joke the other week, okra Winfrey? Okra Winfrey, <laughs> yes. No, actually, we had some for lunch. My friend Chelsea came over for lunch, and we had fresh corn straight off the corn stalk. I mean, like 30 seconds later, it was ready to go. And then we had just a little bit of okra. We're pretty much out of everything now. We've gone through the garden. We're planting pumpkins to be ready by Halloween. And we've got one watermelon growing. One watermelon. One watermelon. It That's better it. be good. It better be damn good, but it's still got like <laughs> two or three more weeks to go, so it's a little late. Anyway, that's the garden update. We need to have Chelsea back over. Yeah, we get her on the program. She'll say like three things. Yeah, we had her. She had like three sentences three in the last sentences. one, so yeah. if we can get three more. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. That's six. That, that was about it. <laughs> Thank you for the math. Appreciate it. <laughs> No problems. Sorry, I'll do what I can. I have derailed us completely. Cool. There was an Australian record label called Mushroom Records, uh, which basically signed every Australian band. It was basically a guy called Michael Gadinsky started this record company that because. The international brands weren't down here that big. You know, they, they obviously were here, but unless this band was going to be huge, they wouldn't sign them. So we had an Australian label, and what he did was sign all the Australian bands, so he basically formed this conglomeration and signed all these up-and-coming bands to give them their first opportunity, and then he tried to link them overseas. But, you know, this band was only around for five years. They've, again, like every other legacy act or, or, or band from the 70s and 80s, they, they're still touring now and again. They, he's formed different incarnations of the band, and you can still go see them at festivals and you know they had big summer festivals now on bits and pieces but he had some mental health issues and some drinking issues through the fame and you know what they were achieving in the early 80s in Australia but yeah again really cool band really stripped back really simple you'll hear it I think you know very similar to that that radiator song maybe not as energetic but a couple of songs um, that they had were really really popular but they um you know went away as quick as they came but had some songs that are still played on on the commercial radio stations now. So just a fun band to see live. Really good. All right. Well, let's hear a song that they wrote about Robert Harrison before they even knew who he was. This is Happy Man. Find an answer to my prayer 
be called minimalist pub rock probably yeah i i i I listen to that and it starts to bring up all of those bands that were in the um early 2000s the garage rock bands you find see i was trying to go back and think of what it sounded like i should have gone forward (laughs) yeah so you know these guys were 30 uh 20 years ahead of their time stroke stripes highs highs, vines see i got all 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 those illnesses that you can get (laughs) strokes hives you you guys say that but i got a real vibe of what was going on at the same time but a little bit more obscure not obscure but a little bit more left to center i joe jackson like that band that sounded a lot like joe jackson yes yes it sounded a lot like the jam like those two bands i don't know the jam well enough but i know joe jackson very much in the same he had some real sappy a couple of sappy hits but the rest of his His, songs his first two albums joe jackson's first two albums they're rock rock songs but very minimalist and great bass playing i don't know who the bass player is but badass love it there was some really cool stuff in the background there yeah they they've got a few other songs there's another song called alone with you which you know we played in the bands i was at you know in school and uni university just one of those bands that yeah the double-edged sword of these guys in the charts that because you could go and see them whenever you wanted really people didn't buy the album or buy the single so it was sort of it was detrimental in in some instances that they and and, and having a number or a top 10 hit in australia you're really still not selling many pieces of plastic you know in, in 1980 there was 15 16 million people in australia so you're still not selling a lot of records how and many how many are there now 25 million y'all been getting busy <laughs> yeah 
And since I got back from the US, yeah, coincidence? I think not. It's all the spot effect. (laughs) Yeah, g'day waffle. (laughs) Yeah, but uh, I I don't know. I I think a cool band. Again, they they drew on probably some post-punk, some pre-new wave. I think the jam is is bang on, Kev. They really remind me of, of of that music with with Paul Weller. So yeah, yeah. but ga- but garage rocky enough, but then polished enough with that that really cool bass playing in the background. That again, you put that live and amplify that and that that sort of. Oh yeah, I would be on that guy's side of the stage the whole time, just <laughs> watching that. Cause that's what I love. I love that style of bass playing, just badass. The Jam yeah. had that too. Yeah. And yeah. one of my favorite bass players actually played for for Joe Jackson. So that's why I think that's why those two bands kind of come up. But it's the same approach to the music. Like you said, it was very minimalist. Mm-hmm. It was some guys in a room hit record. It's just like they're on stage. Yeah. Yeah. And and they replicated it. So you heard in the bar what you were hearing on the radio. It was really easy to recreate, and they had to because they were going from bar to bar to bar. Setup times were virtually nothing. So you had to. Make Make sure that you could plug in and play and, and, and nail it every single night. Otherwise, people wouldn't come back. Now, something interesting I heard in the guitar lead, not at the beginning of the jangly guitar lead, but the more noise building and then at the end again, very close to me to like a powder work, screaming blue, midnight oil thing going on. Yeah, look, they they influenced a, a ton of bands um, probably. So, yeah, this band started in 78, 79 again. So a lot of the bands that they would have gone to see from 76 to 78 in their infancy would have been, you know, your Midnight Oil, your Angels, Cold Chisel. So that, but you, you're right. I don't know where that was, under what label that was recorded. I think it might have been RCA. No, Mushroom it was. So it wouldn't have been through Powderworks, but it does have a little bit of that um, minimalistic midnight oil feel on some of that early stuff too. And I read that they recorded at Albert's. So they re- yes, they recorded Man, where ACDC it, did. Yeah, in Sydney, if you didn't record uh, at Albert Studios, it was really, to be perfectly honest, one of the only ones around. There were no home studios in anything back then with the, the price of all the analog equipment. So that that was the big one. So you, you name the band and they pretty, if they were from in and around Sydney, that's where they recorded their album. Right. Makes sense. All right. Well, let's move on. And this one, this is going to get a lot of our listeners. This this one's going to be a little crazy. And it's a very unique pub rock band because they had a look and a gimmick and an image. And the song that we're playing, most people who know this song will tell us, hey, that was an Iron Maiden song. No, it was not. No, no, no. It was a song by Skyhooks. So let's talk about a glam rock pub band so odd for the pub rock scene. Skyhooks, yeah, they were a glam rock band. Uh, basically, you just called them hooks, though, right? <laughs> What was that, sorry? They're just called Hook, right? They're in Australia. They're called Skyhooks, Robert. Don't be ridiculous. <laughs> That's just silly. I'm trying to pick up on the rhythm here. Sorry, I'm not a good Australian. You, you, need, to, you need to chill out and go get yourself an orange-flavored tetrahedron-shaped <laughs> ice tree. <laughs> I do. I want one. <laughs> I'll send you some over at May Melt. Not sure. I try ice. Well, they formed, I think, eventually fell on their final lineup in March 74. Look, this band had four number one albums. Wrote a lot of music about... Uh, again, local Australian things, particularly in the Melbourne scene. But some really cool songs out of an album called Living in the 70s. The lyrics and the music for Living in the 70s is just far beyond its time. If you, if you go and have a look at the lyrics, it's talking about the change in consumerism and all those sorts of things. Horror movie was a song. The horror movie was actually the, the six o'clock news on the TV. So 
Again, one of those bands that did push the envelope a little bit. The first song ever played on the one of the independent radio stations that started was a song called You Just Like Me Because I'm Good in Bed. Obviously not That's played true. on commercial stations. Now, look, these guys, again, Mushroom Records, they got a $1.5 million deal with Mercury Records in the sort of mid to late 75, 76, had some success in Boston and in Jacksonville, Florida. But that was about it. <laughs> Now, (laughs) one of the things that knocked them back a little bit is that one of the guitarists, Red Simons, would wear this face paint. Oh, yeah! A lot of people... In 1976, who does that remind me of? Uh, Oh, Wait, 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 wait. who was it? Uh, Oh, yeah, that band called Kiss. There's your Kiss connection with a K. (laughs) See, look what I do for you. Well, all right! Unbelievable. So a lot of the US pundits would look at this and say, they're just trying to be Kiss. Go away. And it was really that simple. And I think the fact that the lyrics weren't as broad as some of the other bands out at the time, they couldn't appeal to a broader audience because they were very local and Australian or even Melbourne-based lyrics, as I said. So, Well, they should have um, just written about broads. See, yeah, see what and, I did there? And, and, and plaster and <laughs> uh, cold gin and... Yeah, and rocking and rolling all night long and every day. So, but they didn't. And that was, you know, one of their problems. Uh, Cool band, good musicians. But again, this is probably one of the ones where the lead singer will really test out some vocal acrobatics because this guy uh, who's now passed away died in a helicopter accident quite a few years ago now. But he was called uh, Graham Strawn, but they called him Shirley because of his blonde curly hair, Shirley Temple. Shirley, you can't be serious. I am serious. And don't call me Shirley. This guy could sing his ass off. Really cool. But this this particular song was released in, I think, February 78, and it was on the Killers album for Iron Maiden in 1980 on the request of their producer at that time who had come from doing some work with ACDC. So Steve Harris thought, okay, well, he's from ACDC. He knows what he's talking about. They hated the mix, fired the producer. Steve Harris remixed it, and it was pretty much Iron Maiden's first video for this song. I don't like their version, but I probably don't like it because I'd heard the Australian one so many times i'm curious it's called women in uniform so if you're an iron maiden fan you know women in uniform the cover for the single it was never on an album for iron maiden except for like a re-release of killers or something but it's a paul diano song so early yeah. maiden right and the cover has eddie with two voluptuous ladies on his side and then margaret thatcher's kind of hiding in the in the distance with a machine gun <laughs> so, women in uniform I don't know go figure the other thing so the Maiden connection I obviously I'm coming from the other direction I only knew it as a Maiden song and when I heard this version it takes a little growing on me because what we're going to do is I'm going to play obviously the Skyhooks version that's what we're listening to and then I'm just going to give because Robert I don't know if you're familiar with the Maiden song but I'm going to give no. a little taste okay. after we hear the original just to kind of see the difference the unique thing for the Maiden version is it was the last song that Dennis Stratton the guitarist Dennis Stratton played on. And part of the reason is because he helped the producer push the agenda of this song being mixed the way that Steve Harris didn't want it mixed. Oh, yep. And so Steve didn't like that. And so that's why we got Adrian Smith. Thank God. I'm, Thank God. I'm out of here. <laughs> Screw you guys. So let's hear I the. Get him. <laughs> I get him. Let's hear the Skyhooks version. This is from their album. Love the name of this album. Guilty until proven insane. Oh, this is guilty and proven insane. I'm like, damn, two strikes. <laughs> it's better than one of their albums uh, called Straight in a Gay Gay World. <laughs> yeah, that one I didn't get. I didn't quite get that one, but. Mm. 
Okay. Sounds like a Mel Brooks movie. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right, so here's their version, the original version of Women in Uniform. In
That is straight out of the Rocky Horror Picture Show soundtrack. I'm not kidding. That is exactly what I would expect here. I've never seen the whole movie, but I've seen snippets <laughs> of it, and that's got to be in like the third act with wow. the dude. And oh my God, it is that and Crocus Ballroom Blitz. Huh. Well, I was going to say, so Ballroom Blitz, I was going to say it has a very Brian Connolly sweet kind of feel yeah. to it. Well, I'd say, yeah. oh, sorry, I meant, I meant sweet. Crocus covered that. Crocus covered Sorry, yeah. yeah, sweet is what I was, I was thinking yeah. of. Very was sweet sounding. Sweet to me. Ballroom Blitz. Blitz or Rocky Horror Picture Show, one of the two. I dig it. That, that, <laughs> I dig yeah, it. I think it's cool. That was a catchy, bouncy, fun song. Yeah, his voice is amazing. I mean, that's a soprano, I'm, tenor soprano voice. I'm surprised that didn't scare you because you were completely freaked out when we did our glam rock episode. So I just assumed you'd get freaked out. Yeah, but this subject Curl matter. Ball. Let's just talk about the subject matter. <laughs> Women in uniform. Hey, that's cool. Young girls, teenagers. What was he picking up in, in his limo? In his limo. Yeah. yeah no. that, that was that was creepy. <laughs> Yeah, it wasn't. It was women in uniform. Yeah, that's yeah. okay. Yeah, see the difference there. Under, underage girls in uniform. Yeah, it's like such a fine line between brilliant and stupid and, and illegal. Uh, <laughs> and illegal. Yeah. So that, that, like that the, particular that song, if you if you heard that live, one of the reviews I read on it, this must be listened through an eighteen-inch speaker. <laughs> All right. So because what, when that hits, that I got I got to hear this. Iron Maiden Bang. version of this now. Oh, yeah. Play that. Play a snippet of that. All right, let's do hear... a snippet of Maiden. Just if you're not familiar with Maiden's single where they covered this, here you go. Yeah, that his voice is just not the same for that song. That song needs to be sung in like three octaves higher than that. What's, but they did a good job of making it Iron Maiden sounding. It was more serious. It's very Diano Maiden yeah. sounding, and that's all I was familiar with until I heard yeah. this version. So to me, you know, coming the opposite direction, which I assume a lot of our listeners will be the same way. Yeah. It was weird the first time I heard the Skyhooks version. Now that I've heard it several times, I like the Skyhooks version yeah. better. I like the original. I, I think so. It's just like it's meant to be a really fun off the wall tongue in cheek yeah. yeah tongue in cheek song and so it's not meant to be taken seriously and if you put yourself I'd love to in, hear the Maiden version the Maiden music with um, Shirley Strawn's vocals over the top <laughs> somebody could work that out that would be kind of cool someone mash it up someone yeah. mash it that would be really cool alright Craig we got one more from you here and this was at my request so Craig sent yes. me six songs I'm like no 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 we need to throw one more in I gave you two options and you chose this one and this is a really cool one off project really, at least for this particular version of the band, this guy would go on to do tons of other stuff. But what I thought was cool is we're going to play Johnny Diesel and the Injectors. Great name. That is great. That's an awesome name. I thought you guys would like that. Yeah, it's great. But they only put out one album. It's the debut album from Johnny Diesel, which that's not his real name. It's 
obviously a stage name, but this is the only album credited to the Injectors. After that, it would just be Johnny Diesel. And what's cool is when we had on Rob Hammersmith from Skid Row, yeah. Our, our friend Rob Hammersmith, the drummer from Skid Row, came on and he picked a bunch of songs that he loved. One of the songs he picked was uh, Jimmy Barnes' tune. Jimmy Barnes from Cold Chisel, who Craig told us all about last time we did a pub rock episode. And Rob picked a song off of Jimmy's album, Freight Train Heart, right? Freight Train Heart. Yeah. yeah, so Freight Train Heart actually features Johnny Diesel, helped write, and that's what he was on prior to being in the band we're about to play, Johnny Diesel okay. and the Injectors. So has a little, a cool little, uh, you know, interweaving into our web of in obscuria here. I, I love this story and Craig, I'll let you tell us about Mr. Johnny Diesel. Uh, well, further to the, the Jimmy Barnes stuff. So Johnny Diesel ended up becoming a um, bit of a, a guitar slinger for hire. So he did a lot of work with Jimmy Barnes and he ended up marrying Jimmy's wife's sister. So they are now brother-in-laws. So there's a nice little connection there between those two guys. The Johnny Diesel and the Injectors, the name, I, th I think originally they came out and played a mixture of what they called R&B blues, Southern rock. Uh, so they developed this following in Perth. Mark Lazotte is his name, uh, but he used to work at a, at a garage pumping gas. So one of the things that I think he got an epiphany one day and basically said, I, I, I don't want to do this. I don't want to go to school. I can play music because his family were very talented musicians. I think his father was a, um, a saxophonist or, or something along those lines quite famous so he said i want to uh i want to play music so they got asked i think when they were uh, getting a bit of notoriety what the band name was and they just said oh johnny does on the ejectors and they said really is that what you want and he just went yeah screw it that'll do um so that became the the name of the first incarnation of the band then he became diesel and now he performs as either diesel or, or mark lazotte actually born in the u.s fall river massachusetts but moved out here when he was five years old. That's what's so, wrong with him. I get it now. Well, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. He's got that blood in him. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, he's part yank. I got it. Yeah, exactly. But look, quite a successful producer. He's produced albums for Richard Clapton, who we also highlighted on episode 55. But yeah, he, again, just when you listen to it, and the, th the reason why I picked this particular song is that Robert often talks about the, the sound of amps and guitars. If you don't fall in love with the tone of the guitar on this particular song i will never darken your doorstep again <laughs> challenge accepted wow throw it, it down is, he just put his glove and, down but we go and see this band live johnny does on the ejectors and look back then he wasn't bold uh which he is now not that there's anything wrong with that <laughs> it happens he was a, he was a, he was, he was a, yeah. <laughs> hello he was a pretty um he was a pretty good looking guy so the girls loved it the guys loved the music it was guitar saxophone bass and drums which is a pretty pretty weird blend but it was just he's got a killer voice he's got like the male version voice of Susie DiMarchi from the baby animals in my opinion a really raspy voice and you'll hear it but has continued to I think by about 2000 he'd sold over 800,000 records in Australia alone and won nine major ARIA awards so this guy is not an unknown the song I've picked probably is if you don't have this first album or don't listen to anything other than the top 40 or the, or the um, classic rock radio stations. This one you probably won't know. I love this song. It was just one of those ones where you heard the guitar and if you play guitar, you just wanted to play this song. Not difficult, but he just got it all in the right place all at the right time. So killer band. You can still see him on all of these summer tours and things that's going around now. But um, yeah, great guitarist. And, and this song, the challenge is out there, Robert. So let's see how it goes. All right. Well, give us the name of this tune and we will let it rip. This is a song off his first album. I sound like my DJ again. Called Parisian Hotel. 
Welcome to come visit anytime. 
Oh, that is my favorite guitar sound. I don't know what it is. I'm not good at judge or picking out what amp it was or what guitar people were playing. I just like that sound. Whatever that is, the band from Atlanta injected had that sound. A couple other bands that I like, but whatever that is, that's what I like. I never could get that sound, but I like that sound. There's something crunchy about it. He predominantly played a Strat, I think. Okay. Because I couldn't tell if it was uh, Les Paul or Strat, but yeah, predominantly a Strat, and um, not sure of the amp top. But yeah, it's just it's plugged in, turned up, and recorded. Exactly. That's it. And yeah. you know that mic was sitting right in front of the amp. It wasn't run through the board. No. You can tell that yeah. from a lot of the recordings we hear. But yeah, that's just good rock right there. Maybe a tube screamer on the lead or yeah. something like maybe, that. Maybe but... something fuzzy yeah. a little bit, but it's damn good. That's all it was. And it sounded more like just kind of the fun rock we have, like Jackal, local Atlanta band that got famous with a chainsaw song. <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> you know, stupid stuff like that. It's not going to be very deep, but just fun. And that's I think that's the essence of pub rock. Very Paul yeah, Rogers it's... sounding voice. Yeah. That's a good good point. Yeah, very very bluesy sounding voice, but he's uh, the the rasp on it as well. He, he had a lot of a hell of a lot of commercial success. The look, the voice, the guitar just came at a time. And again, you know, th- I think the first album came out in '87, so it's competing with the hair metal in Australia. But because we couldn't go and see hair metal, because yeah, you know, they toured very infrequently. You went to see this guy in a bar, so this is why this stuff was popular. Well, spandex um, didn't travel well, so shrivel on the planet. No, it did it, shrink. Yeah. yeah, and all of the um, foil-wrapped um, cucumbers. You guys didn't have Aquanet, so what were they going to do? Yeah, exactly. So you, you can't turn up to a hair metal concert with limp hair. Exactly. It just doesn't work. The only thing that got me on that song is... And I have down that it was 89, so I don't know if it was 87 or 89. But the, uh, it's, uh, Sorry, 89. They formed in 87. Yeah. Yeah, the one thing that, that got me, I wish I could get a remix of that song without those damn gated drums. Oh, that like 80s that? gated drums yeah. where you, you get the, the uh, every bit of ring is cut off. Yeah. It just drives me nuts. In the 1970s, drums on the radio sounded a lot like this. They're quite dry, aren't they? They're just as recorded. To achieve that isolated, clean sound, producers and engineers mic'd the drums all over, including the inside. This was the sound of bands like Pink Floyd, Earth, Wind & Fire, and Genesis. At least up until 1979, that's when Peter Gabriel was recording his third solo album. His Genesis bandmate Phil Collins was on the drums playing a simple beat. And here's where something magical happened. So according to their engineer, Hugh Padgham, they had a brand new recording console with some cool features that included a mic hanging in the studio to talk to the band. That mic accidentally picked up Phil's drums and the result was this thick, punchy reverb that disappeared in an instant. It's a real snap. Yeah, yeah when, so, but when you know when you heard it live, you had the acoustics of the room. He was loud live and, and, and really cool. So you can imagine that song just coming out of giant speakers on each side of the stage with that tone, guitar tone. It was he, he was a really cool guy to see live. I meant to ask you on the last band. You know, I hate to go back, but for Skyhooks, knowing that they were a glam band and you know had a lot of stage props and things like that, were they playing pubs or were they doing like theaters? Or- yeah, the, 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 probably not the smaller pubs because they were. You know, they were having number one albums, so they were playing um, probably some of the bigger concert venues, but they would they would still do them quite often. So in Sydney, they'd play at a place called the Horton Pavilion, where Queen played in 76. So there's today's Queen connection. 
So that the, yeah, they they did get to that point of notoriety where you you had to um, probably boost them up a little bit in terms of sitting them in places that were holding say one two thousand people. Right, and then I assume Johnny Diesel as he became Diesel and got more and more pop oriented. I assume that he was no longer in the pubs then. Less pubs, but it's still in. We have a lot of things here. So you have your pubs which are holding uh, say one or two hundred people. Then you've got clubs. So we have a lot of like uh, ex servicemen clubs and all those sorts of things which because gambling's so legal here and poker machines, that they're very wealthy clubs that have big concert venues, you know, that are holding, you know, one, two thousand people. And then you've got your, your stadiums that are your five, 10, 15, 20, up to 80,000 people in the open air stadium. So Diesel would still play now to a one, two thousand seat uh, show. And then how far did his music stray from what we just heard? Did get a little, did get poppy and a little bit, wouldn't say Yacht Rocky, but a little bit more lovey-dovey in terms of some of the lyric and the tempo. Uh, really pulled back because he became Diesel and not, you know, that that whole name, Johnny Diesel and the Injectors, sort of gives the impression that it's going to be a rock show. But he, he has sort of moved away from that quite a bit, actually. You know, the saxophone being the, the, the lead instrument, I suppose, behind the guitar, uh, went away. So much more heavily produced and much more commercial radio-savvy uh, music. All right, so for our listeners, go get Johnny Diesel and the Injectors. You probably don't need to go too much further than that. Then. Yeah, yeah I, I'd, I'd say so. There is a little bit. Yeah, it gets a bit syrupy. And then go pick up Freight Train Heart as well. Jimmy Barnes, he's on that. Yeah, he plays some cool stuff on that. And I don't know if you mentioned it on the episode. I'm not sure if we did. One of the one of Jimmy Barnes's forays into the US, he had a song called Working Class Man, which was in the movie Working Class Man that came out, I think, in the sort of mid-'80s. Written by Jonathan Kane. Perfect. So, you know. He played with the Jimmy babies, Barnes. didn't he? He played with the babies and, and obviously Journey. So no, never heard of them. With the babies, I know. Yeah, well that was on one of your um one of your episodes in the past. You you played a baby song, but not Australian, so we don't talk about them today, Kevin. <laughs> <laughs> Well, we got schooled again, Robert. Any we questions? Any, no. Anything for the teacher, for the master, for the CEO of G'day Waffle? G'day yeah, Waffle. Craig will appreciate this. i got to head out to go to a uh, Bloody Mary party. Oh, excellent. Well, you, you, everybody brings ingredients, so I'm bringing fried chicken nuggets and pickled okra. I've never had fried chicken nuggets in my Bloody Mary. Oh, that's good. <laughs> that's good. You're missing out. I have seen that. I saw something the other day yeah. about that. Yeah. I mean, it's a full meal. This is the thing. This is how I drink. All right. Yeah. All right. Well, and you get your vegetables with the celery. And they just texted me to ask me to bring the Ouija carpet. So it's going to get <laughs> oh, weird. Oh, just, just get, don't bring the Roomba. Getting weird. What are you going to use for the planchette? I have no idea. We'll have to figure that out when we get there. Hmm. We'll get a frisbee, human, frisbee human, or something. Human planchettes. You, Ooh, can, you yes. can take a sunny it's boy. It's like Twister. This is, we're mixing it up. So Twister on a Ouija rug. <laughs> Tweegee. Tweegee. <laughs> I like it. I'll tell you all about it. We'll hear about that next time. Craig, thanks so much for coming on again. Really appreciate it. Always love having you on. And yes. Talking about Australian pub rock, getting schooled on something we don't know anything about. So this is super cool, man. Hexagonal ice cream treats. Yeah. Tetrahedron. Oh. Tetrahedron. Sorry. Oh. <laughs> Math. You know, I didn't. I wasn't paying attention. Geometry. To that class. Yeah, it's not our thing. We fail English. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys. Until next time, and there will be a next time yes, for Mr. Elvin. So see we'll you. see you. I don't know. Another couple months, maybe. Yep. Maybe sooner. Yeah. Who knows? Sounds good. All right. Later, people. Thanks, boys. 